Welcome to Hold Up, the podcast where we watch our favorite rom-coms and decide whether they hold up. I'm Carrie Gilbert. I'm Allison Gilbert. And this week we watched Mean Girls. It was supposed to be our Halloween episode, but we failed this week because we're behind. We're also, behind. It was a Listen, Halloween episode because they also go through Christmas. So. They go through the entire school year. I know. I just um, mean in terms of holidays. But also, um, yes, this episode's late. My whole family got strapped. Then my children turned three. Then we got, then they got a rash. Shit's been wild. I'm behind on everything in my life, including this podcast. So it's not a Halloween episode. It's not a Halloween movie though. So it's fine. Happy a few weeks after Halloween. Happy official start of the holiday season. Yeah. If you're in um, not America, it's Christmas time. If you're in America, it's Thanksgiving time. Hold your fucking horses a little bit and it'll be Christmas time soon. I say, as I hold a holiday cup from Starbucks. Allison, tell us about Mean Girls. Mean Girls came out in 2004. I remember seeing it in theaters, probably at Chicago Ridge Mall. Um, it holds an 84% on Rotten Tomatoes. It was directed by Mark Waters and written by Tina Fey, based on a book by, it's based on the book Queen Bees and Wannabes by Rosalind Wiseman. Uh, it stars Lindsay Lohan, Rachel McAdams. <laughs> I was gonna. Say, I kept wanting to say Regina George, Lindsay Lohan, Rachel McAdams, Amanda Seyfried, the the one from all the holiday movies, Eliza Thornberry, <laughs> Lacey Chabert, Lacey Chabert. Thank you, Lizzie Kaplan, Tina Fey, Amy Poehler, Anna Gasteyer, Neil Flynn, uh, Tim Meadows, the ladies man. Thank you, Tim Meadows. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like. What if the entire cast of the early 2000s was in SNL, was in a movie, and also there were teenagers there? And it's called Mean Girls. Carrie, what were your predictions? My predictions were that there'd be problems, and I'd still love every minute of this movie, and my prediction was accurate. Can I just say this? This this is going to sound like someone being like, I just learned that two plus two equals four. This script is so good Tina, there are like there are things and I don't know if it's the directing or the writing I mean like Tina Fey is an unbelievable writer but this like there were things that happened in the beginning like Katie almost getting hit by a bus there are like tiny little moments that don't matter that end up mattering everything is important the lines we quote as the funniest like the most popular lines we still quote today are not even in the top 10 percent of the funniest lines in this movie yeah it is an excellent tight like story screenplay and it's also unbelievably funny so now we can talk about all the problems within but i just want to say like this screenplay and the movie that was created from that screenplay is so fucking good yeah so before we started recording i was telling allison that um due to the fact that my life has been a shit show over the past couple of weeks i watched this movie in the car on the way to my in-laws so that we would have childcare this week um, on my phone. And I had to watch it before we had to switch drivers because my husband had to do a fantasy draft on his phone in the car. And he said to me, how long is Mean Girls? And I looked at it and I said, an hour and 35 minutes, the perfect length for this kind of movie. 
for any movie Interesting. really. Interesting. I feel like because I feel like I looked halfway through and I was like, oh, there's still so much left, but it doesn't feel long because it's not. This is a tight movie, especially with the amount of stuff. Like the the joke rate. Like I don't know what the joke per page rate of this movie is, but it's got to be like five or more. Which P.S. Like your basic network sitcom is three. Um, the joke, like the joke density is so high. And also like the storytelling is so deep and the amount of characters we're servicing. Amanda Seyfried says like maybe seven lines in this movie. And I think we forget how tiny her role is. She is the least important of the five main teenage girls. Everything she says is golden. There is like one line they gave to her because she didn't have a line. It's like one, like she says like I thought he was she was dating Shane Oman or something like she says like an ex- one expository line everything else is just comedy and she's so funny she's everyone's so funny I mean I, I, we know we just talked about Amanda Seyfried and her boobs but like come on I want to grow into those and take a nap they're they're beautiful <laughs> I feel like we forget how funny Rachel McAdams is because she doesn't do a lot of this kind of movie anymore. Tease of the movie Game Night will disagree. That's true. Um, I feel like we always short shrift Lacey Chabert because she's fallen into like the lifetime hallmark of it all. But she's so funny and so good. Her Brutus monologue. I always <laughs> love it. <laughs> Her Brutus monologue and when she's crying in the bathroom over her uh, really expensive, the beautiful gold hoops. Because also, like, the thing Lacey Chabert is doing really good in that scene is saying you're, like, not a ridiculous... When you're a teenager and your friend is told you you can't wear... Like, that's the thing is, like, this movie is... A lot of SNL movies fall into the trap of feeling like an extended SNL skit. Like, there's a reason SNL skits are three, four minutes. A lot of SNL movies either based on SNL skits or um, like from SNL writers that feel very sketchy, which this this movie has like a very broad like sketch feeling to it. A lot of it's hard to sustain for an hour and a half, two hours. And the ones that do it well, like Mean Girls is like, there's also like an emotional grounding and there's emotional stakes. And like, we can look at this as an as adults and be like her crying over not being able to wear white gold hoops is funny. And the way she says white gold hoops is funny but also like to a 16 year old girl that is the end of the world when your best friend is mean to you and and like you're not allowed to wear the jewelry you want to wear like that and Lacey Chabert is acting and is like this is very important and real and serious to me and that's why it works yeah none of the, the thing that like works so well about this movie is that it is so funny and it is chock full of jokes and there are very absurd moments but everybody in the movie world is playing it for the truth of it for mm-hmm. the the genuineness of it and that's what works so well also this yeah. is such a female driven movie and the comedy is so female driven i mean Aaron Samuels is just there to be hot he is but a plot point honestly he is the role that is often played by women in, you know, action movies or, you know, more Boy like comedies or like bro comedies um, is, you know, he's he like reminds the me of eye candy. He reminds me of the character in Superbad um, 
sort of the Emma Stone, but I think Emma Stone has given a little bit more to do in Superbad. But like the the girl who's Michael Sarah's love interest in Superbad, who I guess has like some funny lines, but mostly she's just there to like for him to have a crush on, mm-hmm. which is what Aaron Samuels does in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's okay. not. Well, and the, the other thing is like that actor is not. I don't think as funny as the girls in this movie are even, and I don't know his name. We should look it up. The guy who plays Damien, who is very, Daniel very Francis funny. is Damien and we should, he the is, guy, like, he's so he's brilliant. Yeah. Um, but even like, but even like, uh, Kevin G like the, there are boys in this movie that are delivering high comedy. Yes. Um, also all three of them Aaron, are gay. They all three Kevin of them. G is gay. I knew Aaron Samuels was gay because he was in a Lifetime or Hallmark. I should look it up because a friend of mine wrote it. He was in a Lifetime or Hallmark Christmas movie um, a couple years ago where he was like and had one of the first gay love stories in it. Um, He also recently got married and they like spawn content out of their wedding. Which like get it. Um. Uh he also was in an episode of Law and Order SVU where he had an affair with his stepmother and killed his father. And I feel like we shouldn't mm-hmm. forget that. Okay. So Kevin G is played by a, an actor whose name is Rajiv Surendra. And here, I just went to his Wikipedia. Let me read to you his personal life portion. Surendra's parents immigrated to Canada from Sri Lanka. He grew up in Toronto in a neighborhood close to Toronto Zoo. He attended Wexford Collegiate School for the Arts as a musical theater student and performer, graduating in 2003. He is gay. No kidding. We didn't need that last sentence. (laughs) What an absurd thing. (laughs) I got the end there. But anyway, I knew that because... um, I had seen like a TikTok or an Instagram or something about how the three like teen boys from this movie all are gay. There's also just something so, and maybe this is because we went to a math and science school. There's something to me so very like real and genuine about the nerdy math league kid who also thinks he's a rapper, <laughs> like who yeah. also like is like wants to be super cool and isn't achieving like there's something about kevin g that was just like that's just like very familiar to me and that like oh you're rapping about like math and getting pussy in a way that is so stupid (laughs) and so teenage like nerdy boy i don't know i really like i'm really like kevin g also kevin g brings to us which i think the my favorite joke in this movie that goes missed, which is that janice ian is lebanese which p.s lizzie kaplan is in no way a middle eastern woman so but Janice Ian is Lebanese and Regina George thought she told her she was a lesbian. That joke missed me for years. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just a joke on Regina George being a dumb middle schooler and not knowing the difference between Lebanese and lesbian. Yes. And it's funny. And we maybe shouldn't have made Lizzie Kaplan pay a woman of Middle Eastern descent. <laughs> sure. There's that. All the shots of Lilo from behind are a double. Yeah, I noticed that for the first time. That was tough. Why? I don't know. I don't know. Because they're just like all, not all the shot, but a lot of the shot, like exposition, like, or establishing shots where you just see Katie from behind was not Lindsay Lohan. It was a woman because she, because it was cheaper. I don't know. There's a million reasons. 
it probably happens in a lot of movies and we just don't notice. I have never noticed in this movie before. And there was just one where I was like, oh, that's a red wig on a woman. <laughs> like, Yikes. And then it went away. Um, I don't know. Where were we in Lindsay Lohan's troubled teen years? Maybe she was off being troubled. I don't know. So let's talk about the Lindsay Lohan of it all. I, we've talked about this in the case. I mean, this is like a common theme among female. We're about to have the Bynes discussion. Right. Among female artists who are also troubled and how their mental health issues eclipse their talent. Lindsay Lohan is like among the best. She is. And she was a teenager. Like I look at Rachel McAdams in this movie. I think Rachel McAdams is also very talented. Rachel McAdams was an adult when she was like in her late twenties, when she made this movie, Lindsay Lohan was 17. Like she was a child Mm -hmm. and she's still like, imagine what she would have been. And could still be, I mean, she's still young. You know, we, we, you know, allow for a comeback. Um, There is nothing I'm rooting for harder than the Lilo comeback. Like all I want for Christmas is her to get respect. Yes. Like I want good things for her. I want her to be a healthy, happy person. Um, Because she's so damn good. This movie asks a lot of her and she does it so subtly. Um. And I think there's also a lot of really smart, interesting production choices that help us see Caddy's Caddy Katie's arc. Um, yeah, the costuming and the makeup. The is costuming really good. is her hair, yes. like the way they go from ponytail to her like becoming Regina Georgian hair back, and then at the end when she becomes a mathlete, back to ponytail is just very smart choices. Yes. But there's also so much of it that Lohan is doing. Um, the way she holds herself, the way she interacts with other people. Her performance is hilarious, but also enormously grounded. Well, she doesn't get like Amanda Seyfried and uh, Lacey Chabert and Rachel McAdams are all much broader characters. Mm-hmm. Like Katie has to be the grounding one, but she still then gets to be very funny. Mm-hmm. I also just think when we have these discussions about mostly these young women from like who came up in our generation who had mental health or other like substance abuse problems, we, and less so now, but particularly back then, we made fun of them, mm-hmm. which is like fine comedy and everything, blah, 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 whatever. But also like, like Lindsay Lohan never had a chance to not be troubled. Like that nothing, like none of it is by her own fault. Like her parents were like documented, terrible people who used their children for financial gain. Like she was not well-parented. I don't presume she was well taken care of by many adults in the industry. Like Tina Fey may have been like, one of a few like it was like Tina Fey and Oprah who like treated this girl with any sort of like respect or kindness like what did we expect her to be Mm -hmm. like women are not and like young girls are not should not be expected to withstand that sort of trauma and mistreatment and be fine and the way we sort of expect women to withstand abuse 
and that's how we then deem them strong is really fucked up. Like when we see similar behavior in male artists and I mean, we saw it this week, like the amount of like apologizing or like turning a blind eye to Kanye West behavior, which is far more harmful than Bynes or Lohan ever were. Yeah, because by my knowledge, uh, Lindsay Lohan has never gone on record saying anything even remotely anti-Semitic. And he's out here like saying like deeply troubling things and we're giving him a pass because he has a mental illness as if like being anti-Semitic and having a mental illness are one in the same. Like- right. But even short of that, I mean, you know, when you think about sort of like the method actors, you know, who get this praise for being like so committed to their art when they're doing you know, very damaging, very unhealthy things to themselves and to others. If they're men, you know, they get an Oscar. And if they're women, they, you know, become the Lindsay Lohan's, Amanda Bynes, Britney Spears's of the world. Viola Davis said something about that one. So when, uh, during, uh, Suicide Squad promotion where like it could come out that Jared Leto had like was like sending his co-stars like dead rats because he, he was quote unquote the Joker and Viola Davis was straight up like yeah I can't behave like that I would never work and Viola Davis right. I'm sorry is like infinitely more talented than Jared Leto and it, she's just sort of like if I showed up to set doing even like a fraction of that shit I'd never work again <laughs> right and yeah. this motherfucker gets to come out here and literally do like creepy borderline abusive shit to his coworkers, and he's lauded as some sort of like acting hero oh. um yeah just spooked up mm-hmm. Lindsay lohan is very fun i also just like and like knowing what came after in the years like her drug and alcohol addiction and whatever i don't know what mental illnesses she's been diagnosed with but also like her body stuff I just like this I think was like the last time we saw like a like a healthy looking Lindsay Lohan Mm -hmm. and I think like oh I just think of all those paparazzi pictures of her like drunk and so skinny and like it makes me excited to see now that she appears to be doing very well and like very happy and probably a little bit kooky like she's probably a little bit weird but it but I'm ex- super excited to watch her Christmas movie. I'm very excited to watch her Christmas movie. Um, did you see that they released the trailer for it on October 3rd and scored it to Jingle Bell Rock? No, that's awesome. Just to bring it all back to Mean Girls. I love it. Um, I love the Jingle Bell Rock dance because it's so, like, they don't even attempt to make it like a good dance. Like, it looks like no. a dance that a bunch of middle schoolers choreographed and have been doing every year since. Yes. Another great joke that goes missed is Damien asking um Janice Ian if he's if she's mad they still use her original choreography like Mm -hmm. I just like all the little like jokes and implication that Janice used to be a part of this group and a lot of her anger and vitriol at them comes at she lost her friends and is mad like they're Mm -hmm. like they're all teenage girls even Janice yes Katie wears jeans every day until she doesn't all right they shouldn't have been letting her sit with them she's wearing a lot of pants until she starts wearing skirts even after she's invited to sit with them oh right you can't wear you can only wear jeans or track pants on Fridays um and i guess like we're showing that like it's taken her a minute to build up her plasticky wardrobe but she wears pants a lot of days she wouldn't have been allowed to sit with them you can't sit with us you can't sit with us um this movie has so many lines that we as a generation still continue to quote 
Also, like, you can't sit with us isn't a joke. It's funny because of the way Lacey Chabert says it. Mm -hmm. Same with, like, it's October 3rd. The joke of that is, like, on October 3rd, he asked me what day it was. It's October 3rd. Like, the joke of that is a teenage girl's, like, journaling of that moment. Mm -hmm. But, like, it's October 3rd is in and of itself not a joke. It's just. Neither is you go get Glenn Coco. No, you go Glenn Coco had to just be, like, that guy going, right? Yeah. There are a bunch of them where I'm like, this, like, this is just, is just like a fun, funny set to be on, I bet. Um, Anna Gaster writing down her phone number in case she forgets was the most Melinda Steele thing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, I, one of my favorite jokes is at the very beginning when she's talking about like what we think of as homeschooled kids. And it, it's, she like, one of them is super religious and it's the kids being like on the third day, God created the Remington <laughs> action rifle so that man could, so that man could fight the dinosaurs and the homosexual. <laughs> this is an anti That's a movie. great line. That was a great <laughs> line. Oh. Um, all right. Should we talk about Asian women? Asian women. What's the other one that I was like, e. um, there's some body stuff. Although I think we should talk about the body stuff because I don't, I think I think it merits its own conversation and that like we're not throwing Rachel McAdams in a fat suit to throw in a fat like we're making we patter it, a little bit. We do. No, I'm not saying we don't put her in a fat suit. We do patter. I I think we're using what we're the conversation we're having about body stuff is these women have very damaging beliefs. The things we're trying to dis- use to destroy Regina George, one of which is her hot body and hot is in quotes deliberately. What we are destroying is her conventionally attractive thin body that we remark as her currency. Right. We are not, this movie is not endorsing uh, like thinness as being the right thing it's saying like that's that's what is used as this woman's currency and if we take it away from her she won't have as much power which is true right um and so i the and the padding like you know i don't love i don't ever love anyone in a fat suit i do think like would it be more annoying if she was supposed to be quote gaining weight and she still looked like rachel mcadams right Um, maybe we're not putting like prosthetics on her we're giving her a little bit more of a butt like Right. It's complicated in that it's regarding the issues of the, particularly in the early 2000s, but also like, I don't know that we're ever making fun of. I also think like there's an interesting moment where, um, as she, like her kind of ideal world is unraveling, some other girl like bumps into her and is like, watch where you're going, fat ass. And it is one of those moments that, I don't think it was a fat girl. I don't remember, but it's the, it's a, they gave the line, watch we're going fat ass to a fat girl, which I thought like that has to be deliberate. Yes. I also feel like it's self-hatred. Yes. It's about like your internalized fat phobia, but also I think it's about particularly as teenagers, but even as grownups, like how much power is given to bodies, right? Mm -hmm. Like particular bodies have power and particular bodies don't. And our bodies change, you know, with the exception of things like, um, you know, skin color and sex without, you know, some kind of surgery, like 
those things don't necessarily change, but otherwise like the aesthetics of your body change. And so how fragile that power is. Um, And in teen girl world, you know, on Tuesday, you could be the queen bee and on Thursday, you could, you know, you could be at the bottom of the totem pole. Right. Um, And I think that that that's a lot of what this movie is about. And that moment in particular is highlighting that, Um, which I think, again, it's very subtle. There's a lot of really smart stuff that's happening in this movie. That's about a lot of things. And ostensibly is just about like mean girls and high school but it's it's also in the way regina george eats right like she talks about she's only eating foods with less than this percent calories from fat which is like whatever arbitrary bullshit rules we all tried to follow when we were at this age in 2004 and then when she can't figure it out goes to get cheese fries like this movie is not saying like look she's eating quote unquote healthy it's like look at the way these girls are treating their bodies and their diets Mm -hmm. without really much knowledge about it at all without any consistency it's all sort of and how like unsustainable all that diet culture shit is correct and like the the scenes as she's trying to eat a bunch of carbs because they've told her like eat these bars and eat a bunch of carbs and then these health bars will eat up your car like the fake science in that is like the way that's written is hilarious but also then in every scene Rachel McAdams is basically Brad Pitting <laughs> he's basically uh oh we then see her eating her there's a scene where she's cutting a baguette and she cuts off a slice moves the slice and eats the baguette it's great it's like respect girl I see you um but just the way we're we've given we've given her fake arbitrary like hilariously bad rules um for eating and she's following them because someone told her to is not is a comment on diet culture and how we eat and how we treat food in our bodies and it's very subtle and it's very smart and we're not being hit over the head with it but it's all played as like this is ridiculous like this Mm -hmm. is very silly and you know i would argue that keto and counting macros and whatever dumbass diets we're into these days is as funny as regina george cutting off a slice of a baguette and then eating the whole baguette yeah absolutely that's the point we're making and i think it's very well done and funny yes maybe we needed it a little bit more over the head so that when we were teenagers watching this movie it hit us harder (laughs) yeah also when i first got diagnosed with diabetes and was told i had to count carbs the line is butter a carb played in my head all the time every time i eat butter i think is butter a carb it's not (laughs) you don't eat butter is not a carb I do not account for it when I take my insulin, but is butter a carb? I want to, I want a shirt that says is butter a carb. Again, there's so many good, like offhanded lines that are just so funny. Um, yeah. So I was thinking as we're, as the scene where Janice and, um, Damien are showing Katie the lunchroom when she first gets there. And they're categorizing everyone. And many of those categories are race-based. And I was thinking about where in do the racial problems in this movie lie? And I don't think it's in that. I don't think it's the categorizing of people based because that's how high school works. People are, people have their cliques. The point of this movie is people have their cliques. Oftentimes people like you find people of your same race and like in this, particularly in high school, like your groups tend to be a little bit racially segregated and they're, and none of them are like, it's not like those are the black kids. Those are the Asians. They're like very specific, like unfriendly black hotties 
is hilarious to me. And while I was watching this movie, I was like, that table of unfriendly black hotties like ended up turning Georgia blue. Like we owe unfriendly black hotties so much. Yeah. Um, and even like Asian nerds, uh, hot Asians, like I think we're making a comment on the way we segregate people and the way we stereotype people in that scene. I think the racial problem that lies is when we have two Asian girls in particular used only for their sexuality and they are um, victims of coach car. They of this coach who is having sex with underage girls and they are overly sexualized. And not that again, like we want this movie to be subtle and smart. So I don't know that we needed to like, I don't know that we needed anything more than Tim Meadows to be like, he was runoff property. We took care of that situation. That was bad. He's like the teacher is in the wrong for sleeping with the underage girls. But they're not given, those girls aren't given anything else to do than to be sexual and promiscuous. And you also see them, and you see them fight over him. Yeah. Um, so like they're, they're not treated as victims necessarily. I mean, I think the other, the, the problem we get into he- here is nothing is ahistorical, right? Like nothing is without historical context and historically Asian women have been portrayed and stereotyped as sex objects, objects for sex. Mm -hmm. They do not have agency. They do not have personalities. They don't have feelings, emotions, opinions, any of that, right? Like we get geishas, we get like blow up Asian sex dolls, um, Asian sex massage, right? Sex workers, workers, right. Um, And that leads to violence against Asian women. We have seen it play out time and time again. Um, and well, and this... we talked about this at some other point, like Tina Fey has a particular problem in this specific area. Yes, Like this and, is, right. or at least is, has been historically a Tina Fey blind spot. Yes. And I think that's the other thing that like, we can't view a historically, right. Is that the screenwriter of this film has not addressed this problem that she has. Um, I don't know that we know that. I I think like historically, this has been a problem. I don't think you see it in her more recent work. True. But I don't know that she's ever said like, I have contributed to this problem and I'm sorry. But regardless. Well, you should look into that. But yeah, I think around the Asian shootings she did, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, The and then it's further compounded by the fact that they aren't speaking the same language as everybody else in this film. Like they're very much othered and they're very much dehumanized as characters. Um, and that's a problem. And I think the other thing is that, you know, again, there's a lot going on in this movie. I do appreciate the way that, like, the whole situation with the burn book plays out such that like no click is free of its drama issues right and every you know and and but but we didn't need the coach car story like there could have been another i don't even know or like if you're gonna have the coach car story don't don't make it with asian women who aren't speaking english yeah, like I think we can keep the coach car story, right? Like I don't know that the problem is in having that story. 
everybody has a story of some shitty teacher in their high school being sexually inappropriate with teenage girls. I think the problem is like, those are the only Asian women we see in this movie. They're Mm -hmm. not represented as anything else, anywhere else. We could either have like made those, we could either have done it with a different race of girl. We could have done it or with like a different click. Cause also like the, the, I think like the idea that we get that this movie gets close to and then like misses the mark on is also that like coach Carr. the implication is that coach Carr doesn't have a respect mm-hmm. for he sees these girls as Asian sex objects, not as human beings or teenage or children as they are, but that's not addressed well enough for like the girls aren't treated as victims. The girls aren't treated as mm-hmm. um, anything other than that joke. And so we lose it. So either you do it with a different race, you d- you get like a little bit deeper into that story. So it's very clear that like, this isn't all those girls are. There's a lot of ways to tell that same story with the same characters and have it be more sensitive and smarter and like, and deeper. And we, this is just like the one area where it like missed you just like they missed the bar mm-hmm. I don't think we need to throw that story out with the bathwater. we do need to treat those characters as people and not mm-hmm. but we end up like laughing at them instead of laughing at coach car right and perpetuating you know dangerous stereotypes. centuries long harmful stereotypes right yes yeah, yeah, if we want to make him be a perpetrator of that harmful stereotype, fine. But the movie then should not also be doing it. Correct. Right. I think right, you could right. actually say something very smart about that stereotype by making him that type of person and then not and then not having the movie like endorse it essentially. Right, right. Yeah. 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 Hmm. What else? Uh, they're not an old Orchard Mall. Or- Orchard is an outdoor mall. I, wor- I used to work there. I used to work at the American Eagle at Old Orchard. Hope they're doing well. I think they're at... Um... They're in Canada. Oh, really? I For some reason, I thought that they were at... I thought they'd filmed... No, never filmed I'm never going to get there. It's probably but... whatever town Kevin G is from. <laughs> Great. Um, uh, yeah, they filmed... It takes place in Evanston. It takes place in the North Shore. Um, North, the school's North Shore. I think it's supposed to be North Shore Country Day, right? No, it's supposed no, to be I guess, Trier. Or is it supposed to, Okay. Yeah, I guess New Trier's public. Um, but they filmed it near where my friend Megan grew up, which is a wealthy suburb of Toronto. Gotcha. Um, Mr. Duvall went to DePaul. If you look behind him in his office, his... Um, is that the principal? Is that Tim Meadows? His name? Tim Meadows, the oh. principal, Mr. Duvall, his, he has two diplomas. I assume like they're supposed to be undergrad and master's degree or whatever. And he went to DePaul university. He's oh, a blue cute. demon. Um, when Katie leaves Mr. Duvall's, uh, <laughs> when Katie leaves Mr. Katie and, um, uh, Gretchen and, Karen leave Mr. Duvall's office and it's all the girls like fighting like jungle animals. There are two extras behind Lindsay Lohan who are not even trying. They're just like 
Like I was like, <laughs> someone needed to correct those extras to put a little bit more into it. It, was so, it never noticed before. It was so, and like Lindsay Lohan's acting her little butt off. She's like coming out and being like, what's going on? That's not going away. Blah, blah. And these two extras behind her are like, this is our 80th take. Just like, are we fucking done yet? Like we are not getting paid enough for this. Like they are not committed to the bit. That's really funny. Um. Uh, both Regina George and Amy Poehler have pretty atrocious wigs. Also, Rachel McAdams is like eight years younger than Amy Poehler. So Rachel McAdams is absolutely wearing a wig throughout this movie. It does not, as far as movie wigs go, it does not bother me. I mean, it's not like Elle Woods at the end of Legally Blonde. <laughs> like, right. Or like Charlize Theron in long shot which we talked about ex- extensively like a perfect um, movie except for poor charlie's and june diane rayfield's wigs it's just, truly just... um amy puller's wig is absurd but like almost it's supposed to be intentionally yeah she's supposed to look absurd her the hardness of her tits in this movie kills me every time the way that the dog chews on her nipple i don't know why it gets me every time also i think because we went to school with kids who had this parent the like if you're gonna drink i'd rather you do it in the house rather you do it in the house like letting I'm their a cool kids mom look. i'm not um, like a regular mom i'm a cool mom it's like i i just i know those parents and even as a teenager i have the katie heron thing of like i don't think this is how you're supposed to parent but i guess okay <laughs> if you're gonna let me like i think my parents are doing it right by telling me never to drink by making me have to hide my drinking and right. lie to them you should lie to your parents you shouldn't feel so comfortable with them that you can tell them what you're doing i think the other thing i kind of noticed in this and again, it's very, it's not explicit, but we see the reasons that Regina is the way that she is. We see and why see she's her a sister girl. becoming it. When you see her, right. When you see her mom, when you see her dad, when she says things like, oh, I made my parents give me my room, give me their room. And they did like, you know, mean girls are not born in a vacuum, right? Like yeah. they exist that way because of, you know, every mean girl that I knew in high school, like now as an adult, I'm like, oh, I see your trauma. Um, <laughs> right. That name that I just made you bleep out. I'm like, I oh, now I feel bad for you. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, exactly. And so I think that again, like that's something smart that Faye is doing is saying like, yes, mean girls are causing harm, but, but hurt people hurt people essentially. Right. Like these are not kids who had a you know supportive yes. loving regina george doesn't have at, like present parents when they are they're letting her do whatever she wants she doesn't have boundaries on her like she is not treated as a child she is not loved mm-hmm. and cared for as a child and a teenager should be and janet i love the line at the end where janice is yelling at katie and says like at least she compares herself to Regina. She's like, at least we know we're mean. We know what we're doing. We like, I like the connection of Janice and Janice and uh, Regina are not all that different of people. It's just like the past they took. They're still both. Janice is also a mean girl. The shit they're doing to Regina is fucking mean. Right. Right now we can laugh at it and we can think like, does she quote unquote deserve it? Cause she is the chief mean girl or whatever like that's how we can watch this movie but it's not like taking away a girl's boyfriend a girl who's like doesn't have a strong family life then taking away her boyfriend and her friends and her like quote-unquote hot body that is her currency they're being shitty to her Mm -hmm. yeah Um, and then in the end like we 
the end of this movie, we, they've all sort of gone through this shit and relaxed and become better people and hopefully all gotten a lot of therapy. Right. I like when Neil Flynn says maybe we mainstream schooled you too soon. <laughs> I like him. I also give him like any when, funny lines in this movie I, for being I a very funny like actor. When he, uh, when Anna Gassar's, this is after like all the shits hit the fan and they've grounded um, Katie and Anna Gassar is like, where's Katie? And he's like, oh, she went out. <laughs> and Anna Gassar is like, she's grounded. And he says, are they not supposed to go out when they're grounded? So funny. <laughs> so funny. Oh, uh, that was the other thing that I was like, it's not, there's nothing like overtly problematic about this backstory about them, like being in Africa and being zoologists, researchers and all that thing. But like, I, we have got to get past like referring to Africa as like, were you, were you in the whole continent or were you in a particular like, what country? country? It's so big. Like, um, I do appreciate that they made them research zoologists, which makes it a little bit less like this white family went to save the poor black people. Right. You know what I mean? Like there is the line about like my mom used to give them to the kids in Africa or whatever, which to, like, like get them to gain weight, which is a little like, again, also, like where in Africa are we talking about? What kinds of kids? Like, sure. There's also, like poverty. she was a research zoologist. Like, why is she dealing with hungry kids? <laughs> right. Right. Like, are we just assuming that like all African children are malnourished? Right. Because again, like it's a whole ass continent and it's a big ass continent. Like that's another thing where like, I think it leads to funny jokes about how we stereotype it. Like when they say like a new student just moved here from Africa and Tina Fey looks at a black girl and says, welcome. And she's like, bitch, I'm from Michigan. Like that's a funny joke. That's calling out that like is making Miss Norberry's character that like problematic white woman in a way that I, we appreciate, but also like, yeah, like, why can't we just say, like, she just moved here from, like, pick any of the many, many African countries. Like, right. Just pick one. Right. Um, Yeah. I do like that when she's only had one other. I like the little scene of, like, I only had one other crush before. And it's, like, this little boy she knew in Africa. And she goes to hug him. And he says, go away. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, scenes, like, I like that we portray her life in Africa as, like, she's not interacting with that kid in any sort of like, like that was just, you just assume that was a kid. She like knew from her neighborhood or something like it didn't feel. And I think, you know, all I'm saying is like, let's be more, let's do more of that more deliberate, you know, like when we're portraying Africa, you know, Africa again, like, let's keep in mind, like that's like saying like, you know, I moved here from Europe, like, also like Like, (laughs) we stereotype and we talk about like the differences of different parts of the united states so like in a way that i don't think is healthy either but we talk about like the south versus the north or even like illinois like chicago versus the rest of the state like we talk about the cultural differences of like down to states down to neighborhoods like there are cultural differences from the north and south sides of chicago this movie is taking place on the south side or on the north side of chicago this is not a chicago you and i grew up in like we talk about minute cultural differences when we're talking about America. And then when we talk about Africa, we talk about it as one giant thing when it is a fact like right. you could fit so many United States in. I, I am not a geographer. I cannot, I do not know how many, but you like the United States is a fraction of the size of the continent of Africa. And we are regarding right. it all as like one po- nation of poor malnourished black people. <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. Um, 
Yeah, that's something that like, I don't know, it's 20 years later and hopefully we'd do better. Hopefully, but not. even still, I DNF'd a book on page one about a week ago because they referred. <laughs> I think that just counts as not starting, Karen. <laughs> well, like, I don't think you can say you didn't finish. I think you just didn't start um, that book. Side character was described as wearing like African like fabric or like African patterns or something and also being described as like a voodoo priestess. And I was like, oof, I'm out. Yeah. About gotta go. Bye. Bye. But Bye. Was, by the way, the author was a white woman. But so oh, I'm sorry. Uh shocker. Yeah. Um I, I do like that Janice refers to Katie as Africa. Although, like, we could also then just have her referred to as whatever country we've said they lived in. Right. Um do we talk about Damien? Because he's so funny. Danny DeVito, I love your work, because I think maybe the funniest line in this movie and that isn't quoted enough because he's in the girl's bathroom and some girl says you're not supposed to be in here and she's short and wearing a vest <laughs> and he it's, says Danny DeVito I love your work I mean also when he's disguised himself so he can be at like the junior girl workshop and then he's like she doesn't go here he's disguised himself he's so, like the Unabomber <laughs> like, all so good so good but also like that scene wouldn't be good if Damien they would be good but like Damien adds to that scene like but yes. you can't, but it's supposed to be like a girl, just like him being a part of like girl things. Mm-hmm. Also, he was who we would have been friends with at that school because he was the theater nerd. I liked that he was a theater nerd who like loved school activities and school. like he wanted to be a part of the group and Janice was just like so over it and yet they were best friends. Yes, yes. I've got nothing else. This movie is a gem. I will I love continue it. to watch it with great it. regularity. Yes. I hope we. Is it the I, best teen movie ever made? That's like a that's a hard thing. No. Like best teen comedy, it's definitely yeah. up there. Yeah, we're not. We don't need to compare it to like I know what you did last summer, but like, what are the great teen comedies? Like this, Ten Things I Hate About You, Clueless, Ferris I guess John Ferris Bueller. I was gonna say like all, every, all of John Hughes filmography except 16 candles which we've canceled it might yeah. be the funniest it's definitely up there it's probably the funniest which isn't to say that like 10 things i hate about you and clueless aren't and ferris bueller aren't like significantly funny movies but this might be the like just as a matter of like amount of jokes per minute mm-hmm. that all are good yeah yeah i also think like I, I don't know that you want to like judge a movie by its quotability, but like with the exception of maybe clueless, like this movie remains highly, like maybe the most highly quotable. Something about comedy. quotability speaks to like ability to last. And also like this movie came out 18 years ago. This movie came out almost 20 years ago. And I think the kids are still watching it. Mm-hmm. Ben said he had some like Gen Zers once be like, oh no, that movie's canceled. And he had to be like, no, it's just, no, that's not, that's, he was like, I'm still going to, I was like, it's not canceled. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know if you know, but I have this whole podcast where we talk about <laughs> the problems with movies and why we still love them. But I do think um, it's probably like, but I do think like 35 year old women are not celebrating October 3rd. Those are teens and 20 somethings. Like those yeah. are people who are not the age of these girls when this movie came out like you and I were the age of these girls when this movie came out 
Right. I think it has lasting, which is also like, this must be to kids now what Clueless was to us. I saw Clueless, Clueless came theaters, out when we were Allison. little. What? I saw it in theaters. Well, you were a child though. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but like, I'm not, I think of this more as like, I mean, Clueless was not 20 years old when I was consuming it. I, this to kid, like teens now is okay. probably what John Hughes was to us. All right. Maybe that's better. We weren't teenagers when Clueless came out. We were kids. Sure, but like we weren't watching out. them being like, I know what it's like to be in high school the way when this came out. And I was like, oh, we're also we're at this exact same place. Well, right. But Clueless is 93, 95. No, I was 97. I'm just naming years. You're just like in the 90s. Well, it, it's from the 90s. 95. So we were six and eight. No, Mean Girls is a great movie. It holds up. Interrogate your favorite things for slight problems, like how we treat Asian women. But yeah, let's not call that a slight problem. We should be very aware of how we treat Asian interrogate women. your favorite movies for problems. You're right. Um, what are we watching next? The sweetest thing. Oh, Carrie. Beautiful. I'm oh, P.S. about our Christmas things. I keep thinking last Christmas is this Christmas and being like, why are we watching this Chris Brown vehicle? It's not what we're watching. I do this. I keep doing the same thing. Um, um, the next movie we're watching is the sweetest thing. Carrie, speaking of movies that you were too young to be watching at the time. Was I? I was in high school. You were 15 and it's so sexually explicit. Are, are we watching the unedited version? Yes. I'm not watching the edited. I've never in my life watched the edited version. I think I learned about come from this movie. <laughs> um, this movie is likely to have all kinds of problems and I'm likely just like with mean girls, likely to enjoy myself just as much as I did in high school. You loved this movie in high school. It's so funny. And I think this movie has the makings. Of, I mean, it's the three ladies. Can we just, I cannot say high enough things about Cameron Diaz, Christian Applegate and Selma Blair. Yeah. Two of the three now have MS though. Yikes. Um Does Applegate have MS? Mm-hmm. But she just had cancer. You shouldn't you shouldn't get both. <laughs> no, you, okay. should, you should get either. Um I know, but like bad things happen, but I'm just saying, like, what if we only what if we like once you got one of those, the other one was off the table, I think is fair. Yeah. I think what I love so much about this movie is it is a raunchy ass comedy centered on women. As opposed to men. And it was doing it at a time. Like there's a reason that this movie is not. Has not kind of like stuck around as much as other movies. And I think it's because people weren't quite ready for that. Maybe it's also bad and we just don't remember. I don't that think it's so. possible, but we'll see. I learned what a glory hole was from this movie. This movie taught oh, me so, so much. much. So much. I learned about anal leakage. Yeah. Look, we always put an explicit warning on our podcast, but absolutely the next one is going to be explicit. I mean, there's Jason. Jason Bateman is in this movie. Jason Bateman, Thomas Jane, Thomas Jane, like before he was super weird. Love it. All right. Well, where can people find us? You can find us on Instagram at hold underscore up underscore pod. You can find us on TikTok at hold up podcast. We've fallen down on the talks this week, but like Carrie said, shit's wild. Shit's wild. We'll get back on it. Um, It's going to be great. Bye. Bye.